Yeah. Oh, see, there you go. Hey, you never know. Thank you, sir. Mm-hmm. All righty. Hello, and welcome to Hold My Popcorn, where we make fun of the good movies and trash the bad ones. I'm Max Healing in Nashville, and over in Boston, we have our resident SVU expert that will uh, come in handy in this episode, Tim McGinn. How are you, Timmy? Uh, doing fantastic, Max. Yes, this was like a... Uh, I don't know how you can... How, someone could say this but this was like a more gruesome svu episode <laughs> um so that's that was a treat uh but other than that doing great wonderful catch any fish this morning tim i caught one one lonely fish and uh i saw a bunch more but they apparently didn't like me oh, that's sad that's yeah, the worst part i know, I know it is Tim and John were both texting about fish at 4 a.m. Eastern time this morning. <laughs> of course, the first thing that comes through, we get a text message, yeah, at like 4 in the morning. First je- question from John, are you fishing? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, I, he responded back, and I was like, and then I was like, oh, yeah, I probably shouldn't be texting at 4 in the morning. It was well, just sort of like, I, I saw all the unread text messages, and it was just uh, impulse. Oh yeah, no, it's it's okay. Yeah. I was hoping that we would actually wake Mac up or Mac up, Max up. Really, is what I was looking for. But no, that only works problem. on the Bob. No, that's a problem though because I had my phone on Do Not Disturb, but I might have still been up because it was three a.m. my time. I was still up at like two thirty reading this morning. Yeah. So I, I probably yeah. we would have just been having a full blown conversation at four a.m. <laughs> <laughs> why were you Why were you up, Jerry? Are you playing like video games or something? Yeah, I was gaming a little bit. You know, just. Take it in the Saturday night. Lots of beers, um, lots of wine. Yeah. Actually, it was yeah. just like I was, I was just just drunk enough to where I was like, I'm not tired, and even if I do, I will start spinning. I'm gonna play this game. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of John, I know you've heard him over in Sacktown, California. We got a razor clock expert, John Anoshak. How are you? Oh ya? boy. Yeah, we broke 106 <laughs> degrees yesterday, so I don't have enough fluids to pursue my usual extracurricular activities on highway overpasses. But how do you think I am? I mean, seriously, did the Germans win the War of 1812? Just like the state of my mental health, debatable. <laughs> War of Max. 1812, that was the British. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, that's good. So, this week, we're going to be starting our Summer of 9 to 5 series, where uh, this will be running between now and the beginning of October where we'll be watching and discussing movies from the year 1995 um, that are currently celebrating their 25th anniversary. And we went to Twitter to give our fans the option to pick the first movie. And you sick fucks overwhelmingly selected David Fincher's serial killer classic, Seven, starring Morgan Freeman, Brad Pitt, Gwyneth Paltrow, and spoiler alert, Kevin Spacey. Yeah, Kevin Spacey. Let's just get this out of the way that we do take it very seriously. And um, we know that Kevin Spacey is a monster. um, So we're not gonna hold any punches but uh yeah we like to joke but he's a fucking monster so that that was a question i was gonna ask at the end of this episode i'll just ask it now so who's worse john doe in this movie or kevin spacey in real life Uh, 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 no comment i'm gonna say (laughs) uh, i'm gonna say kevin spacey's worst at least john doe had scruples yeah you know what i mean what what do you mean by scruples (laughs) like he he had a he had a moral compass you know, I mean, 
it involved a lot of murder, but he was like, hey, man, you can't be sinning. And I respect a man who takes a stand like that. But he just, he failed to take into account the butterfly effect of his actions because we clearly see the origin story of Razorcock in this film. In this film. He created a fucking monster from Mm -hmm. his own loins, basically. Yeah, I mean... Technically, it looks like he he only ruined like seven lives in this movie. He's probably ruined. He's definitely ruined more than seven lives in real life. So, dude, he daisy chained the fuck out of that. Yeah. Nah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Well, should we get into it? Yeah. Yep. Wonderful. So you always remember. Jesus Christ, I'll do that again. So you always remember the explosive ending to this movie. But in the opening, you have uh, Detective Somerset, played by Morgan Freeman, going through his sad morning routine for the last week of his career before uh, retiring, where he is verbally accosted by one of his fellow detectives before he meets the very green and aggressive new partner, Detective Mills, played by Brad Pitt. So real quick, was there some kind of um, partnership with Nine Inch Nails? Because he did like the intro and some of the music throughout the film, which I thought was super hardcore because Nine yeah. Inch Nails, well, it just like the name, it's a little creepy. Yeah, I guess we can just get into that part right now. Just it, it is an incredible opening title sequence. Oh, oh, oh in, in so retrospect, good. you can see John Doe just like putting together his, you know, his serial killer scrapbook during it all. Yeah, and yeah. like cutting his fingers and all that shit. But yeah, I mean, this was the first uh, Trent Reznor Fincher collaboration. But I mean, obviously, they've done a lot of they they pretty much just like work exclusively together now. Like whenever Fincher does anything, it's with Reznor. Okay, whether it's like Mindhunter or like any of his new movies. Oh, so that's Mindhunter. Okay. All yeah. right. All right. Yep. Yeah, Mindhunter. And then also, you know, like uh, Gone Girl, um, Social Network. Um, what's the other one? There's like a bunch of other ones. There's one that he's doing with Daniel Craig that's fucking weird. Girl with your dragon tattoo. Like oh, all that yeah. music I, is him. I didn't I didn't want to see that one. I can't handle rape scenes at all. Yeah, that one's brutal. Yeah. She gets back at him, though, so it works out. So anyways, uh, <laughs> dead babies and rape, guys. Am I right? Yeah, that's been the theme. Holy shit. Did I feel like I fucking dodged a bullet? I felt like that entire series last week that I wasn't around for, like, was just a mind trap for me. Whereas, like, Max was taking the bait occasionally. (laughs) I could see me just going down some really dark tunnels. A lot of political ramifications. Really bad. (laughs) (laughs) So... All right, in this movie, though, so another great thing, too, is that it just gets right into it. They don't dick around, because after the credit sequence, you jump right into the first victim, Gluttony, with the detectives finding this super fat guy who um, apparently ate himself to death. All right, this is one of the more metal movies that we've actually covered in every way. Um, oh, yeah. It's, and also, I would say the impetus for Saw has to be. Right? This inspired so many movies. Yeah, I yeah. mean, so many and, just ni- like late '90s, um, like serial killer movies too. Mm-hmm. Like this is like this turned into like the heyday of, uh, you know, the, having the the villain be a serial killer, and it's like a psychological thriller. This is yeah. definitely like the granddaddy of it. I feel like for it modern, strikes, it strikes a perfect tone. You know what I mean? Because like just the setting where it's raining and it's dark and it's dreary. It's like you don't even know where they are, right? Yeah. It's like a nondescript city, but wherever it is you know it's like literally like it's like gamora you know what i mean it's 
it's like Gotham City without Batman. Yeah, right. exactly. It's funny. My uh, my wife actually was talking about it as we were watching, but she it was interesting. She was like, I don't like the Gotham City trope. I'm like, what do you mean? And she you know, was like, oh, it's just bleak. It's There's no hope. You know, it's just crazy. You know, wealth disparities, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, it was like that, it, Gotham means there's going to be some weird shit going on. Like, this is just like a cross between New York and L.A., um, yep. You know, and Detroit. then you even see like Morgan Freeman when he's when Brad's like, "Oh, I've done my five plus years in homicide in the middle of nowhere with tractor pull compliance. That's what I did." And then you know, Morgan just tells him like, "Okay, you did five years, but not here." Like, and yeah. that's really really cool that it's a fictitious city because it takes some of the the background noise out of the film, so you're not focusing on like, "Oh, this is the city. Oh, would that actually happen in this city?" Anything you're just focused on the characters that and for some reason la when it's raining looks awesome and that's where they shot a lot of this right they shot in la they put in a bunch of fake rain and then they put in these um weird filters and make it look even more gray and depressing yeah yeah because i mean yeah it it looks like like a scorsese new york from the 70s it's so gritty honestly it's a better gotham than the batman series is depicted than chicago yeah but chicago's pretty (laughs) yeah that's true yeah (laughs) But it yeah. almost feels sur- it's surreal, right? It's a surreal setting. Mm. It doesn't feel grounded in reality. It feels almost like they're in hell, kind of, right? Like everything is gross. Everything is disgusting. The yeah. people are all disgusting. It's all just kind of like grimy, but grimy in sort of this like almost supernatural tone you know what i mean it doesn't have it's very like it's very layered just the just the setting of it's very layered yeah i think that's the filter too it has like this nightmarish dream exactly like, but that's like the kind perfect of way to blur play. to it yep yeah i i think um i i have a i had a hunch because i spotted a um an unbaptized baby floating in the sky at one of these scenes so i think it's actually purgatory <laughs> i mean that would that would work with the whole um dante's inferno like that, oh. that would definitely match the Dante's Inferno theme that he has. Right. Huh. See, I think there I think there's a shit ton of that sort of metaphor in there that you have to actually like have read those texts to understand. And I'm a dumbass, so I have I'm never <laughs> never gonna read those. You know what I'm saying, fellas? <laughs> <laughs> so uh. all right, get into the Gluttony victim though. So this is like right when Nikki had sat down to, and the first thing she said was, We just had pasta for dinner. <laughs> and then you yeah. see this guy. Oh, dude, I got, you know, I was, uh, I ordered like a burger for lunch and then that's the first scene that came on. I was like, uh, I don't want to eat this anymore. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) I was chowing down guys. I was like, I mean, we're all eating, watching this. Like we know what's going to happen. John's like, like, that's the way to go. Mm. Yeah. You're going to do it. I want to be able to asphyxiate via pasta sauce. I want my blood type to be ragu by the time I start decomposing. <laughs> Ancient Italian mummification technique. Don't worry about it. So die drowning in gabagoo. <laughs> There's something about the cheese, you know, and the mold there, and the starches. It just it just preserves you perfectly. How do you think they got Lenin to sit there? Mm. <laughs> so this is um, also like the first instance of just the fresh face detective and the veteran detective when Pitt sees all the vomit under the table and he like freaks out and then the, for- the first thing that Freeman says is blood is in there it? blood in there mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and then he just bounces Pitt out of the crime scene because he's acting like a baby I know it's like yeah you're I, not in the farm country anymore buddy I know it's like Brad Pitt uh, his character um, throughout this whole movie is like fairly unlikable 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Very like, mature. Well, yeah, he's not, great at playing a little sniveling shit. I mean, that's just yeah. he's really good at that when he was a kid. Yeah. Well, it's like it's not unlikable in a way that you don't like him, but he's just like you're you see his hubris and you just kind of are like Morgan Freeman is sort of like a very likable character and Brad Pitt's characters. You're just kind of like, ah, this little fucking piss ant. You know what I mean? Boy Scout. Yep. So Ugh. eager to get millennials. Ready to get- yeah. Am I right? Mm. <laughs> well, I can tell you, I agree, John. <laughs> Pitt is so good in this though. I mean, this is like yeah. one of his first like breakout roles, but I mean, just the small stuff he does in this too is awesome. Like the ticks. Like he always um, flattens his hair whenever he's stressed. Like later on, he's thinking about this one um, cop that died that he was with at the time. And he's, you know, he's like flattening his hair over and over again. And you'll see that he continually does that on all the cases, too, as you go on. Also, similar to like Ocean's Eleven, there's a couple scenes where he's just eating at inappropriate times. Like, (laughs) which I always enjoyed. I know. So then at the morgue, you find out that the victim was forced to eat himself to death at gunpoint, which means, ladies and gentlemen, we have ourselves a homicide. Right. That was like the first, <laughs> that was like the first time where I think the audience goes, Ugh. just the like f- annoyed with Brad Pitt, right? Oh, God. The, the Medea shaking my head right. look that Morgan Freeman gives him. And then the mortician's like, dude, is this like your first day? Right. <laughs> fuck? What? I think it's like because we've, especially with age, like we've probably all been in the situation where you have like a new person, a new kid who just is out of school, who's working and they say something dumb at an inappropriate time and you just like want to shoot them and look and be like, you fucking piece of shit. You should have been aborted. (laughs) You know? Well, they're also showing it's like, you still have innocence. Fuck you. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Well, they're also just kind of showing it's like, this is not going to be your, like a, your typical early nineties, late eighties movie with like the quips and the zany lines. It's like, no, this is very grounded and one liners like that are not going to fly in this movie. Right. Exactly. So then on Tuesday, Mills is assigned to the murder case of a high profile, defense attorney that had greed written in his own blood uh, next to his dead body. And the killer forced his victim to cut a pound of flesh out of his own body and put it on a law and order scale before he bled out to death. That would have been easy for me to do. I could cut a pound out of flesh out of my body in, in a heartbeat. Wouldn't <laughs> even hurt. Yeah. Do you want the oh, rump? Oh, God. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what do you want? You want, you, want? Te- you want the tenderloin? Oh. What do you want? No, oh, I mean, I would just take a slice off of my, you know, little hanging belly action. I mean, a little bit of that. It's good. That's whale blubber right there, baby. <laughs> yeah. I'm with you, John. I mean, yep. that'll, that'll, that'll power. I'm guessing an Arctic research station for a solid six hours. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of fossil fuels in that thing. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I do uh, like the smell of gasoline. <laughs> <laughs> Very effective top down shot by Fincher when he reveals that greed's written in, in the carpet before because like before you see it, Pitt is just like anxiously pacing around the office. And you don't really know what he's doing. It's like you see the dead body, but he's like, why is he acting like this? And then you see it. And it's like just the way they cut to it. You're like, oh, fuck. That's dark. <laughs> right. Brad yeah. Pitt also does a fantastic job. Like, I mean, I'll stop going off on the sides, but he does a great job of 
acting like someone who just came from like, oh yeah, we came from the rural side of the state, you know, into this, like processing, like knowing that he was going to have to deal with this, but still having to process like, holy shit, holy shit, this is yeah. fucked, holy shit. Like throughout every murder, I mean, where he's just really good. Yeah, where you said he flattened his, his hair, you know, he's really good at looking stressed. He can act that like I haven't seen in a long time. Be careful what you wish for. Yeah. For him. Yeah, well, yeah, stronger. it's, it. you know, and I, I like this sort of like, when he's with Mills, he has this like arrogance, this un unfounded arrogance. Like there's no reason for him to be that arrogant. But then when he's alone, he's just like, holy shit. I am in over my head. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, fuck fuck, guys. We, we can't actually cover good movies anymore because we just actually start talking about like real stuff. Fuck. Yeah. So then the, the captain, which is weirdly played by, uh, Lee army, Tries to edge Somerset into staying on the case, especially after he reveals that the dead fat guy was forced fed uh, pieces of plastic. And oh my God, Glundy was written on the wall behind the fridge in Greece, and the killer left a note. Oh, oh my gosh, maybe he wants to be caught. That was one trope that was a little strange. It was like, really? Come on. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, the, even they they say it, though. It's like, he's not done yet. Why would he want to get caught now? Yeah, right. Yeah. They figure him out. But, um, yeah, Somerset IDs the note as a quote from Milton's Paradise Lost and immediately asks to be reassigned to a new case because he knows that the killer took a lot of time to plan this out and he's just getting started. Mm. Somerset sees his, like, uh, lake house dream. I know. Slowly fading away. <laughs> he asks, in this movie, he asks like two or three times to get reassigned. He's like, I don't want to take this case. Can I please move to something else? I'm supposed to be done this Friday. Right. <laughs> and he's like, no, you need to like hold this fucking moron's hand through this. Yeah. Well, I, I love that. He's like, no, Captain, legitimately, like it's not going to be done correctly. I'll just have to hand it off. And Kip's like, no, that's okay. It's just six days. Just do it for six days. No, I'll have to hand it off. It won't be done right. This thing's going to be going forever. Can't, no, it'll be okay. Don't worry about it. Just he do a half job. I yeah. know, the, but that's because he's like, I know you're not going to leave a case before it's done. In this uh, case, it's going to take forever and I need you. So, uh, right. I'll have you do this and then I'll put you back on the rotation and pick up some other cases at the same time. Also, this must be purgatory because that captain has been there for clearly about 10,000 years. If he knows the name of the person who scrapes off the hand-painted names on the doors for all the detectives. Like, he knows that guy's name. (laughs) Nobody knows that guy's name. Nobody. He's not even in the credits. (laughs) So, uh, fast forward to Somerset leaving Mills a list of reading materials with Pitt having a homophobic hissy fit. And then 10 seconds later, he gets handed the SparkNote versions. <laughs> uh, it's so funny. It's it's such a, yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. He's such a moron. He really so, is. Are we are we going to do the whole 1995 like shit that we wouldn't have had to worry about back then? Bit. Yeah, I think we'll do that at the end if you want to. Oh, okay. That. We'll but, do it at I the mean, end. we can do it now if you want. I, don't care. I mean, I, I just, I, I got a bitch about that because these days it wouldn't be like, oh, I have to go get the books. I have to go spend taxpayer money to get a, you know, a, a normal, you know, officered policeman to go get me these fucking books. And the officer can't even read. So that's why it took him three hours to get the books. <laughs> so that's a lot of taxpayer money wasted. Whereas now you just whip out your phone and be like, and then be able to pull up a fucking podcast, like a 15 minute synopsis of the whole goddamn thing with all the yeah. Themes and everything like fuck 
go to oh. Reddit. <laughs> yeah, to understand something that you have to read that's so dense that you can't understand it, you have to buy more books and more things to read just to understand the thing that you couldn't read to begin with. That is overly complicated and was artificially propping up the print business in the United States of America. <laughs> yeah, China. There's, there's, there's just a... Um, a Reddit user with the name of uh, what's in the box. And he just goes to ask Reddit and just says, what uh, Milton's Inferno. Um, why would someone kill a bunch of people based off of that? <laughs> just crowdsource the, the answers. Yep. <laughs> Honestly, this is exactly what I would be like if I was a detective. If I just had to do like research, you know what I mean? I'd be like, well, just go run up a drug dealer and arrest him for it. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not doing this work. <laughs> Baltimore will, the Baltimore Police Department will accept you with open arms. Yeah. Yeah, I just, actually, I just got an email from them there. <laughs> they, they must have heard us, <laughs> must have had a wiretap on me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and then Somerset's invited to Mill's house for dinner, where you're introduced to Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh, Gwen. I just, I love that, that the phone conversation before they do the dinner where she just calls the office and she's like, she gets Brad. She's like, no, no, put your partner on the phone. Yep. He's like, but no, no, put your fucking partner on the phone. Like, you can just see. He's like, okay, yes, man. You know, gives it I to him. I told you not to He's call like, me at work. Yeah. Oh, it's so not cool. All the boys are making fun of me. Fuck. <laughs> Shit. My balls just shrank. I got sports dick, baby. Come on. But no, like, and then like Morgan gets on the phone and he's like, and by the way, I'm not going to be calling them by their names. I'm just going to be calling them Brad and Morgan. But um, <clears throat> Morgan's like, no, I can't. Huh. Yes, ma'am. Okay. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Like, <laughs> all right. And then we meet Gwen. It's like, yeah, I wouldn't get into a knife fight with her. Going Let's above just... and beyond, not wearing a bra either at home. Oh. Yeah. That's what, the, that's what the, that's what the, what's her fucking company called? Splooge or something? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Goo it's, or um, goop. Yeah, goop. yeah, it's like goop yeah. or something. It's all lies. <laughs> it's like my, so yeah. my, I was, I, it was all run down for me. She sells things like jade um, vaginal eggs that you put, it, it's just all bullshit and it's horrible. Yeah, I know. It's like she—that's probably her first like goop thing, though. It's like, don't wear a bra, cures cancer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm well, definitely just not genetically gifted with having a an actress and movie maker as a parents. Right. <laughs> that's definitely not it, dude. Honestly, like, tall. but let's just be honest here. Gwyneth wears the pants in the the Brad Pitt you know relationship in this movie, and if this was a show, a TV show. Season two, the season two story arc would have been Gwyneth and Morgan Freeman having an affair <laughs> because she was going to she was going to hop on Morgan's dick. I, I If she. If, OK, spoiler alert, everyone. Her head gets cut off. Anyways, <laughs> What's in the box? Anyways if her head was still attached to her body at the end of this movie, the sequel would have involved Morgan Freeman doing her from behind. OK. <laughs> Well, I so I'm going to counter that by saying that if I was an individual, if I had a vagina, that I would just ask Morgan Freeman in a very deep voice or him in a very deep voice to basically just read Shakespeare into my pussy. That's what I would be asking for. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the satisfaction to like, I mean, the nth degree, my dudes. Read into my pussy like I'm a West Virginia miner. <laughs> stuck down here. <laughs> So also during the scene too, you got Freeman uncomfortably just having like light dinner conversation, fidgeting with his napkin until like the entire house has a like a seven point five earthquake. 
<laughs> from the train going by that just breaks the tension. And then now the partners can work together. Like what John was saying, it's it's we can't do good movies anymore because all I do is just <laughs> point out like how good they are. So here's like a great another example of how Brad Pitt is just like a child, right? Like Gwyneth asks a personal question that is, but in a very polite way, that is not like offensive to Morgan Freeman. And Brad Pitt's like, "Oh, come on, honey, don't talk about that." Like, he's just like a kid. He can't even deal with uncomfortable things. Yeah. Right? It was like, it was such a perfect moment where it's just like, here, there are two adults at the table talking, and then there's this fucking nitwit. (laughs) Well, yeah. Also, I mean, he comes home to his wonderful wife, who he forced to move to this god-awful city, and the whole thing, he barely gives her a kiss and immediately just goes to the other room to go play with the dogs, KKA the toys, his toys. Right. He's a child. Yeah. What's going on, Max? I'm just tidying up my microphone stand. <laughs> there we go. And Max is running away. <laughs> Bye! Yeah. All right, yeah, so the cops have a breakthrough after the wife of the lawyer says that the painting was moved, and oh boy, you find a set of fingerprints that outlines the words, help me, and the fingerprints aren't from the victim. Dun, dun, dun. Mm. Again, great dichotomy of the cops. You got Pitt being all antsy, fidgeting, just talking a bunch of shit under his breath, and Freeman is just like slowly and meticulously taking his time, just finding all the clues. Right. Yeah. Um, also, the fingerprint tech is Morgan Freeman's son. Oh, really? Really? Yeah. Yep. So huh. they find a match, and it's for one Victor Allen, pedophile drug dealer who has a Law & Order SVU-like rap sheet and also got, got out of a uh, rape conviction with the help of the murder defense attorney, so he must be the killer. Gotta be. Gotta be. Ugh. And then we get to see the uh, the head doctor from Scrubs be a fucking badass in this, dude, and he actually does it really fucking well. Dr. Cox. Dr. Cox. Dude, his head looks like a cock, a throbbing <laughs> cock in this. But shaved head. <laughs> I'm just like, asshole. holy shit, dude. So fuck Baltimore PD. That he needs to be on the SWAT team in fucking Boston, dude. <laughs> Honestly, dude, like I th- I feel like a lot of these characters are like shown almost to be um it's like full a hundred percent vibrato, no substance. Like it's, they're all kind of fake. Right. And it's on purpose. Right. He's trying to show like all these fucking fake people who are putting up these like walls of invincibility, but they're all just like these tiny vulnerable people. And Dr. Cox is the same way in this. He like acts all tough. He acts all fucking badass, but then he screams like a little bitch (laughs) when the guy fucking flips out of bed. He freaks out every single time something happens in this. He does. He has like a little panic attack. Oh shit! Right. There's a box. There's a oh, fucking fuck. box. We got a fucking right. box. Oh, we got a fucking box. I'll scream right. about that later. But yeah, that that. Yeah. Like the only people that are impressive in this movie are Gwyneth Paltrow and Morgan Freeman. Like those, they're both impress. Like your characters are both very impressive. You like them. They're very likable, and everyone else is like very not likable. 
Also, here's another thing to go back way, way long ago when we were fighting with that squibby fuck Bill Dooley about um, uh, the Avengers series where, like, everyone has to, like, take off their helmet when they're having a line because you're paying millions of dollars to have these actors on there. Same thing with this guy. Every member of the SWAT team, like a good SWAT team member, is wearing goggles, a mask, a fucking Kevlar helmet, tactical helmet. Him? No, no goggles, no nothing. Just bared head because I'm a badass and you're paying me too much. My face needs to be on on this fucking movie. Fuck that. Yep. Ugh. And going back to what Tim said too, you're right. I mean, so like, it's it's just another example of the city just taking a toll on people because you got like the, all the SWAT people are just like Marines, you know, like they right. have that war mentality to the, po- to the point that you got John uh, McGinley, like there's like a little kid in the hallway and he like shoves the kid out of the way and then there's like an old lady going down the stairs. He's like, get that fucking bitch away from me. <laughs> right. Get the fuck out of the way. It's SWAT time. Knocking down the door. <laughs> bro force, bro! <laughs> bro force! <laughs> <laughs> you got what you deserved! Oh fuck! <laughs> ah, <woo>! America! Squaw! <laughs> Squaw! No, you got what you deserved, Dr. Cox! <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Yeah. Um, so the trivia fact here too, I mean, I didn't, I didn't mention it. I, I figure at this point, everybody who's going to be listening to this has seen the movie. So Skeleton Man, he's alive. He coughs. But uh, Fincher told all the SWAT actors that the victim was dead and he told the actor to cough on one of them. So like, that's why they all freaked out too. Oh, good. They brought it back from the old Ridley Scott alien where they didn't yeah. tell anybody. Yeah. yeah. That's why they're all like, what the fuck? That shit works. <laughs> Isn't that kind of also in Die Hard when they let, um, what's his face, when he, they Alan let him go on go. two? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As opposed to three. That's good. Yeah. Yep. Oh, that's the best. I love when they do that kind of shit. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. It really is. Hey, you know, that that doesn't fly nowadays. That like, no. OSHA would be all over you. Yeah. Hey, just trick these people. Just trick them. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> except for Deep Blue Sea, where everybody almost drowns. No big deal. <laughs> yeah, whoops. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh shit! So. The door's locked. <laughs> <laughs> FYI, Deep Blue Sea three just came out on Netflix. I saw, <laughs> I saw it last that. night. Um, at some point, about two in the morning, I was like, "Oh, that looks fun." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. John just watched fucking Deep Blue Sea three at two in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> That is the only kind of movie you can watch at two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I don't remember any of it. That is reserved for a two a.m. showing. I remember nothing. <laughs> I oh think there's God. a shark in it. I think they're smart. <laughs> the only shark I saw that I remember seeing was on the poster of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, the rest of it, I was just like, no, drunk. <laughs> as Tim would we're say, the zombies. Yabos. <laughs> That's all. Yeah, there better be tits in that movie. Yeah, they're fucking oh, better shit. be. I mean, Jesus, if Piranha got Gianna Michaels, you know, a porn star into it, then fuck. <laughs> all right. So after this, Paltrow asks Freeman out the coffee because she's got no one else to talk to and she wants that dick where she tells him that she's pregnant and doesn't want to raise a baby in this shitty city. Okay, so could we imagine for about 30 seconds if Morgan Freeman was replaced by um, um, Alonzo from Training Day? Mm. How different this movie would be. Oh, boy, would that it would be funny. would have been funny. his baby. Oh, yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> no, he would, have, he would have told her to abort it so that he could put a baby in her. <laughs> no, no, you want a boy. I can pump those up for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, how many kids do you have? Seven boys. Let me know. Can't you need miss. me to hook your wife up. I'll hook her up. Yeah, Whoa. can't miss. 
Holy don't talk to my you, wife about like that, man. <laughs> when she said, "I don't, I don't know if I want to raise a, I don't want to raise a city in this uh, or kid in this city," he would have been like, "Ha ha! Let me get a baby in there." <laughs> Speaking of training day, though, John, so they actually uh, filmed this in the diner where they um, open up training day. when uh, what? Hawk. Yeah, it's the same diner. Ah! Oh, yeah. my God. That's why I liked it so much. It was so <laughs> perfect. That's like one of my top three movies of all yep. time, guys. I love it. Peace sign. So also, they offered the role to Mills for uh, the, the role of Mills to uh, Denzel first, and he turned it down. Whoa. Uh, yeah. Honestly, it, I'm... All respect to Denzel, would not have been the same movie without Morgan Freeman. No, no, no it wouldn't have been Morgan Freeman's character. It would have been Brad Pitt's. Oh, so I okay, think they I originally wanted Pacino and Denzel in it. So that, yeah, it would have been a little bit different. <laughs> we'll get into that ah, later. I got a bunch nah, of casting what ifs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, keep going. I but, got a lot to say on that. Yeah, yeah. I figure we'll we'll talk about it later. But I mean that that also explains why. Uh, Denzel, he said he he made a big mistake by not taking it, but then then he did like I said earlier, all these '90s serial killer movies. Like he did Fallen, The Bone Collector, like a couple of other movies. Like I think a couple of like John Grisham movies, and just to kind of make up for it. But um, all right, so let's see. Back back at the station, you got Brad Pitt acting like an AM uh, talk show radio caller, just dismissing the killer as a nutbag. Well, you got Morgan Freeman going like. My God, this man's a criminal genius. We're never going to be able to stop him. Right. Just like completely. He's like, Morgan Freeman is like, wow, like look at. It's like basically like two people thinking on different. You never like listen to someone try and like explain something to you about life. And you're like, you're not even, you don't even fucking know how wrong you are. Yeah. Like you are so wrong about something. Like you don't even you can't even like comprehend like what the truth is because you don't even understand what reality is. Like I, so I don't naive. know. I'm, yeah, just very naive. Thank you. Yeah. That's like what that whole thing was between them. It was just basically like Morgan Freeman just like if he had a fucking head slap, would have been great. Just like head in the hand, <laughs> like, oh you fucking idiot. He's an artist. He's a nut job. He's got peanut butter in his ass crack. Oh my god! That's a lead. Someone go find me. Who who just bought a bunch of Jiffy peanut butter? We need to find the receipts of every peanut butter owner over the last six months. <laughs> <laughs> so then you got a clean cut Bobby Munson from Sons of Anarchy, who I guess he works for the FBI. Uh, he gives the cops a list of people who rented out flagged books. So they knock on the door of Jonathan Doe, who's not there, but they do see a man striding down the hallway with some groceries. But it's a trap, and they and he fires at the cops and runs away while Brad Pitt chases after him. This was actually a surprisingly good chase scene for a movie that doesn't really need yeah. one. You know, pretty for a good psychological thriller that's mostly yeah. dialogue and yeah, yeah, and some great close-ups of you know. Of, I don't know why this always looks so satisfying and sexy, but it's just like a barrel of a gun with droplets of water on it. Maybe it's supposed to that signify down. a penis, but. Mm. Yeah, the noir, very noir, like, yeah, like the beads yeah. of the water dripping off of the gun, and he's staring yeah. at it, yeah. And of yeah. course, the the guy holding the gun has a fedora on, yeah, I mean, I don't know yep. what it is. But yeah, he's all cl- yeah mm. I agree. Mm. <laughs> okay, I, like the br- I just finished, I just finished, guys, we're good. Okay, good. I also like that Brad Pitt, when he, they talk about the flag list, Pitt's like, whoa, come on, I mean, that's, this, there's no way that this can be legal. Well, it is now! 
<laughs> I love Patriot that. Act. <laughs> Another thing in 95 that they would have yeah. actually really used to their advantage would have been the Patriot Act. They would have had totally. this guy weeks ago. Yeah. Or they never would have had him at all because he would have just been on the internet <laughs> looking for stuff. And he would yeah, have had a VPN network and they never would have found him. That's true. That's true. Yeah. But um, I don't agree with the Patriot Act. <laughs> but um, a little trivia fact here too. So during this chase scene, Brad Pitt slipped and cut his arm through a windshield so violently that it literally cut to the bone and he Jesus. severely, he has severed a tendon in his arm. So they had to write it in for the rest of the movie. And that's why he has a, um, he's wearing a cast for the rest of the movies because he actually needed it. <laughs> that, that's hilarious. Yeah. Did Brad Pitt do all his, his own stunts in this? No, he didn't do them all. Like, especially the last scene, the helicopter shots, like that's none of them in that. But he did for this because of all, I think it was just because of all the fake rain. Like when he's running across the street and the, you know, all the cop cars and mm-hmm. they needed one of the shots of him, him running. That's when he did it. Right. They're like, shit. Because he also like fell off a, off a canopy and stuff. I think that's what they added to to it to make oh. it make more sense. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So then uh, Mills breaks down the door and bribes a junkie so they have probable cause where they find the serial killer dream home filled to the brim with hand-sewn journal entries without any dates on them. Seven makeshift light-up display boxes with trophies of the people that he's already killed and a list of uh, to-do lists for the ones that he's about to do. Million aspirin bottles, not a single fingerprint in the entire house, in a dark room with photos of the victims as well as Detective Mills. Oh fuck, they had him and they didn't even know it. So I'm gonna take exception with one thing you said, Max, where you were talking about kicking in the door and Patriot Act and all that stuff. That's just good police work. Okay. <laughs> Listen, kicking in a door, private a junkie off for extenu for what do they call it? Uh Exigent circumstances. Probable yeah. Probable cause. Probable cause, exigent circumstances, whatever. They, that's just good police work, okay? Yeah. It is efficient. Cut through the red tape. Uh, yeah, <laughs> tell tell the city of Louisville that. They're like, man, they didn't even kill any innocent people doing it. Wow. Hmm. <laughs> Who needs right. due process? Yeah, wrong house. <laughs> Dude, that's literally what they said to Priyana Taylor after they killed her. That's the only thing they said was wrong house. <laughs> not even a joke Jesus. yeah oh boy um, <sighs> during the scene though that house or like John Doe's apartment Nikki said a lot of frequent trips to Michael's for this guy <laughs> <laughs> all those notebooks they, oh they yeah s- God, dude. they spent like thousands and thousands of dollars to get that apartment right they bought like 2500 notebooks that are already filled out <laughs> at like random stores and um yeah, the whole thing was just like a lot of attention. They put a lot of detail into it. Dude, that, I mean, let's just put it this way. Nice apartment. You know what I mean? I want to know what that guy was paying for rent. That's a yeah. that's a sweet apartment. Nice hardwood floors. Little dated, little dated, all right. But you know <laughs> what I mean? Got a lot of rooms, a lot of space. I'm, I'm kind of jealous. Yeah. Well, you know, he clearly had to spend a little too much on the apartment because of that shitty bed that he has. I mean, and then he spent more money on the fucking neon, red neon cross above his bed than he did on the bed. That thing is like a cot left over from World War II on like the beaches of Iwo Jima. Like, what the yeah. fuck? You spend your money on what's important to you, John, okay? Oh, my gosh. I just, yeah. I live my life by Bono, okay? Bono, you live, what do you live one third of your life in bed? Yep. Spend the money. Yep, yep. I did that so that way Max doesn't kill me when Bill has another coup. 
<laughs> so uh, then you also hear familiar voices. Jesus Christ. You also hear a familiar voice as John Doe who calls in, says that he admires the detectives. He hopes Mills won't, uh, will forgive him for breaking his face. And he can't say much more because he doesn't want to ruin the surprise. And whoa, Nelly, are we in for quite the surprise as the detectives find their lost victim in this seedy basement brothel. Oh, my oh, God. Wow. This <laughs> oh this always gets me. It's yep. always just like, ugh. I this, almost is the, like, this is the worst. Yeah, this is the worst. Yeah, I really it's the just, most brutal. It's not even on the metal scale. Like, it's way off. It's just like, oh, oh, oh wow. And I don't, a razor cock. Who, who is the guy? Ooh. Who's the actor who of the guy who wore razor cock? Leland so, Orsner. He it, does it, a fantastic job. Oh, he yeah. is the best freak out actor. Well, so you have like your really, really good female like, actresses who do wonderful meltdowns, you know, where they right. could just really put it on the screen. And then yeah, you really have tap into their couple. PMS. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have these male actors who can also have these wonderful meltdowns. And this guy is always called in by directors when they need some serious, like just they need to see a human, like a male human being, like fall apart on camera. They did it in, um, well, I shouldn't be talking about it, but Alien 4, because it doesn't technically exist, but he was in it, and he has a very similar meltdown, like before and after, same thing. He's so good at looking unhinged. But then again, he does turn into Razorcock and develop quite a horrible meth and cocaine addiction later on in life, so. (laughs) (sighs) So that's rough. Yeah, go. I was just going to say, it. This this scene always makes my skin crawl. It always oh, yeah. makes my skin. I this is one of my favorite movies. I've watched it multiple times, like you know, at least once a year, and it really, really makes my skin crawl. And this is like sort of like just uh, he doesn't even get into detail as he describes it when he's in the interrogation room, but he doesn't do enough detail where it's like you're just saying stop, stop, stop talking, yeah. and then don't tell me more. It- by like slapping the picture of the the device down on the table. Razorcock. Yes. Yeah. Right. Oh God. Yeah. So um congratulations, serial killer man. You created Razorcock. <laughs> John Doe. The, the thing that <laughs> Father thing of Razorcock. The thing that's so amazing about this movie though is that you think of it as a, like an extremely dark and violent psychological thriller, but all the violence is off screen. You only see one like real piece of violence in the entire movie. Yeah. All the violence happens in your own head. Yeah, and and Leland Orsner, like he sells it because like he's just, I mean, only thing he says is like he he had a gun to my head, he made me do it, he made me he made he made me fucker, and th- th- that's really it. But the way he's like breaking down that you can like see inside of his head of him like visioning it and how right. horrific it is. Right. But I mean, th- you can never make something more scary than what the audience can actually could imagine it being too. So that's what also makes it so effective. Right. But um, another thing to add on to just like the darkness is um, the scumbag pimp that the interview was the guy who accidentally shot Brandon Lee to death on the crow. Whoa. Really? He had done that the year prior. Yeah. Whoa. You know that the year prior? That's why they got him in there. Yeah. They're like, this guy's this guy at a low point. We need to get him. <laughs> he, or maybe he, maybe he was an actual pimp at that point. Yeah, but I think that just adds on to it, even if it's like a subconscious thing, but it's like that just adds even more to it. It's like that guy actually did kill somebody. You know, so how did that sadly. happen again? It was like a mistake on the prop director part, right? Or yeah, they, actual didn't, murder? A, they didn't have a union for this. They um, they hired a non-union set 
in North okay. Carolina. So the guy who did the prop gun didn't really know what he was doing. And if they were all blanks, but it was something about the chamber. I think maybe there was a gun in the chamber instead or a, a bullet in the chamber, I think. Oh, I no. But yeah, it was, a live, it, it, was but a, it was a live round. It. Yeah, it was just a live round. And the scene where he gets shot, I don't even know if it took them a while to figure out who actually killed him. Yeah. Because it's, he's getting shot by like 10 dudes. And I th- yeah, and I think it might be like the final round or something. I don't know. It's it's yeah, sad. Though. It's, it's terrible. Yeah, it's really fucked up. So after this, the detectives have a nice heart-to-heart at the bar. And oh boy, John Doe's gone out and done it again with the pride victim being a model who was forced to either live the rest of her life with a mutated face or kill herself, which she does out of pride. Yeah, that was, um, once again, Saw. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. <clears throat> this This, I don't know whose sperm impregnated what egg but yeah that's this was this was um saw sperm for sure definitely yeah. the granddaddy of, of uh of saw yeah all right so now we're getting into the explosive third act with a blood-covered john doe played by kevin spacey walking into the police station and screaming at brad pitt to get his attention detective, detective! Oh <laughs> that reminded me if you had george lucas trying to walk into a crowded building trying to be noticed where he was just like detective detective <laughs> yeah. detective detective <laughs> i mean just like full screams <laughs> my child bride <laughs> <laughs> oh god but then Brett, so Brad Pitt goes all fucking like spazoid on him. Oh, shit. Oh, it's so uh, it was so unlikable. I'm just like, dude, he's giving up. Why are you being so dramatic about all this? I know. I know. He had a dream Calm that someone down. was going to kill his wife. <laughs> I huh. was just like the taxi driver. He, he picked this dude up covered in blood. <laughs> Seriously. Oh, dude. Police I mean, station, if I was a taxi please. driver, right. let's be honest. Come on. You don't ask questions. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, honestly, if you're a New York City taxi driver, no, <laughs> I bet you no they pick people. Questions. Bet you they pick people up covered in blood all the time. <laughs> Listen, just sit oh on this God. plastic tarp, all right? Yeah, dude, they <laughs> all see crazy shit. Just um, we called a taxi service one time in Nashville to bring us down for New Year's or whatnot, and the taxi driver just she just suddenly suddenly started going into her crazy story. She's like, "Yeah, I've got a regular customer, and he just bangs hookers in the back seat all the time. It's really weird." <laughs> she drives a minivan, by the way. Uh, really, really strange. Oh, okay. Thanks. I like how she says it. It's like, it's really weird. Like she has no control over it. Yeah. (laughs) He's like, I'm sitting sitting there. I can't, you know, what am I going to (laughs) do? Yeah. And we're also sitting in the back seat. (laughs) (laughs) Ew. (laughs) Yeah. That happened. You tell me some fucking skeezy ass dude fucks hookers in the seat that I'm sitting in. That's right. Listen, I know fares are tough to get nowadays, but I feel like that's a fare you should just avoid. Well, I don't know. I mean, I clearly wasn't as disturbed by it as I should have, considering I ate a pizza off of a um, recently <laughs> fucked surface. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, I was fair. good. It's fair. Yeah. Also, all the cops in the station didn't notice this guy covered in blood either. <laughs> yeah, I know. No, don't worry about it. It happens all the time. So I guess Brad Pitt is just making up for it, for all the nonchalant cops that are doing nothing. He's like, I need to even this out. Right. Get your fucking hands up in the air, fucker. This fuck, guy. Fuck, fuck, fuck. This guy actually. Uh, so Brad Pitt had a meltdown like what I would think that uh, that squibby fuck Bill Dooley would probably have. Like, it was <laughs> yes. Just, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just like, <laughs> Bill would just spear him. Yeah, he would. Bill would tackle him. <laughs> Bill would just. Bill has like, a history of tackling people. <laughs> yeah. Bill would say no words and would just go into straight like Terry Crews spear. 
mode. <laughs> Shoulder to the chest. Yeah. <laughs> it would be Airborne. a perfect form tackle too. It would be. Yeah. <laughs> Feet up the up in the air tackle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Open field clothesline tackle. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So um the cops say something along the lines of uh you know, like he he cuts the tips of, of his fingers. That's why we've never been able to find Prince. He's got no credit history, no type of ID. Oh my god, he's the Joker, and we don't have a Batman. <laughs> so here here's the thing. If he like has no credit history, no form of ID, like they can't he has like no like identity tracing at all, right? He had to have been thinking about this since he was like five years old. Yeah. <laughs> Cause you literally like you by the time you're fucking like seven, someone's opened to you up a bank account. You know, he's, he for was like born savings in and shit. Yeah. Born or, in Montana. Yeah, must have been born up in like Montana or Idaho in one of those cults, right? Yeah, oh, exactly. or he's just like the like a Fred Durst type of person too. Because they do say he's like he must be independently wealthy. To support, Fred, you know, Fred, Not Durst? Fred Durst, Robert Durst. <laughs> no, yeah, um, Fred Durst. Oh, that would have been even better. Wow. Okay, thanks for that, Max. Because now I don't have to worry about fucking up royal lineages anymore. Did it so. all for the nookie? Come on, <laughs> why'd you do this? Why'd you kill all these people? I did it all for the nookie. Come on, <laughs> come on, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna throw uh, in some uh, Limp Bizkit sound sound effects in this too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I oh I didn't God. I didn't immediately register that as wrong, but then I was I was kind of like, eh, I was like Wait, Fred that doesn't Durst, make any sense. That doesn't that doesn't sound totally right. Yeah, and then I remember Fred Durst's Limp Bizkit. I mean, Rob and Fred, come on. <laughs> no, no, no. I I was kind of I was kind of with you. Like I said, I didn't immediately register it as as wrong. It's like sh- sharp as light bulb in the shed. Yeah. Oh exactly. my God. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So then you got Toby from the West Wing playing the rich boy lawyer who tells the cops that John Doe will confess to the murders and show them where the last two bodies are as long as Mills and Somerset agree to go with them. Otherwise, he'll plead insanity and they'll never find the last two victims. I like how Somerset had it figured out. He's like, we shouldn't do this. <laughs> this we is should. A trap. This, this is a trap. <laughs> like, he's obviously thought all this crap through. Don't give him the satisfaction. He's going to go away anyways. So, well, they also, But they do say something like, not all the blood on him was his. <laughs> They're like, right. oh, fuck. It's like there's un- unidentified blood on him too. Right. Which, yeah. you know, we all know who that is. Do we yeah. think that John Doe actually did all of this for the, um, as the youth say, the, the nookie? I mean, I feel like there aren't too many things... That make you go that insane other than the nookie, you know, <laughs> like, I feel like all the serial killers, you know, all the worst serial killers literally come out of like a being sexually abused, B being like not sexually appealing. So like they just get resentful and start killing women and other things. Oh, do you think his fiance ran off into uh, the hills of Austria to become a nun? And then ended up uh, <laughs> hanging out with the general. <clears throat> yeah. Definitely. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense I, then. They did have that in in, in, the, in one of his uh, manifesto notebooks. I did read it. It said rap metal will take over the music industry in 1998 <laughs> for about three yep. years. Yep. So, yep. Yep. And he had all those Limp Bizkit lyrics in those in those notebooks too. <laughs> <laughs> After a couple of bottles of wine last night, I just we just started throwing on uh, music videos from the '90s, like just oh, rock. Yeah. And I was talking about, I was like, "Yeah, this was the only time in history that rap and rock actually met, and then they never 
they never met again. And just, I'm going to drink some more. <laughs> Lincoln Puck. Oh, God. Ugh. Corn. 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 Oh, New my metal. God. Corn. Yeah, and then during all this, too, you got uh, the DA. Who, By the way, the DA in this movie is Shaft. <laughs> but he, I know. He's going like, he's unarmed. You should do Shaft. it. Shaft. Shaft. It's like, you should do it, though. Oh, he's it's a trap. Bad motherfucker. Shut your mouth. <laughs> um, and also, say what you want to say about Kevin Spacey. And you're like, I know one of his buddies is uh, Jeffrey Max, Epstein. Max, 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 stop. <laughs> he is a fantastic actor. And he's like a baseball closer in this movie. Like, he comes in the last 10 minutes and just, like, shuts down the movie. Oh, dude. He's, he's, a, he's a great actor. I mean, it's just like Roman Polanski, right? Very good director. Yeah. Mel Gibson. Yeah, plenty of uh, people. Right, Woody, Woody, Woody Allen. Yep, Morgan yeah, Freeman. Yeah, Weinstein was such a wonderful. <laughs> what producer. Morgan Freeman? No, we read up on that the other day when we were watching this movie. It's just, he did more of like your your textbook office sexual harassment, like just saying stuff that you shouldn't say to women. I don't believe it. Morgan Freeman is my grandfather. I believe anybody who's over the age of seventy and is famous and rich. They're going to yeah. sexually harass people. It's just Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks is the only one that I know or believe yep. is a good person deep down. I don't believe, but isn't Tom Hanks' son like an absolute cunt? Well, yeah, but that's not yeah. his fault. That, that stuff happens. No, How is that not his fault? Because both his <laughs> Look parents at me. are fucking rich and famous and they're not around. Yeah. That's their fault. <laughs> it's literally their fault. Oh, my career is more important than my child. I mean, that's a choice you make, but that's a choice that fucks up your kids. Well, Colin Hanks seems fine. He's not his yeah. son. Colin he's Hanks his nep- is... No, he's his nephew. What? Get no. out of here. Colin Hanks. Holy uh, now we need shit. to look this up. Oh, my God. Tom Hanks is going to destroy the show. It's going to tear us apart. He's more sinister than I thought. Oh, wait. Okay. No, his parents. He is yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, Tom Hanks is his dad. He looks like Tom Hanks. So he's doing fine. Still. Yeah, Tim, you look he, like he Tom also Hanks. played his although Colin Hanks did play a serial killer in uh Dexter. <laughs> that was very similar to this. It was like oh, he, killed, he killed people. Yeah. What was it? He killed people by the apocalypse by uh, the, the three horsemen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was good. That was a wild one. Yeah, he was good. Yeah. Okay. Um anyways, yeah. So, let's see. All right, so first off, you got Mills and John Doe just chirping at each other on their ride into the desert with John Doe saying that he's going to go down in history, or he's going to go down in the history books for what God chose him to do. And yes, he enjoyed doing it too, but you know he really cannot wait to see uh, Mills' face for this big surprise that's coming up. This is like when, okay, so I saw this the other day. There's a guy who's around the North End. <clears throat> he's a homeless guy. And he is insane. I think he's schizophrenic, right? He's not in his right mind. He's delusional. There's just like, and then, but he'll say like kind of offensive things to people. And most of the time people are like, this man's insane. I'm not going to engage with him. What would, A, what would the good of that be, right? And why would you argue with someone who is just crazy? And, but I saw a guy the other day, like literally get into an argument with this guy, mm-hmm. with the insane person being like, you're an asshole. And the, like, then the insane guy would just say something completely off the wall. And the guy would be like, fuck you. I'm going to beat the shit out of you. I'm like, this is what's happening. And like, this is a moron, a Brad Pitt who can't help but argue with someone who is literally insane, not in their right mind. It's like, it would be like arguing with a two-year-old. 
like also, just speaking gibberish. But John Doe is making good psychological sense too. He's like, I bet you, you would love to shove me into like a locker right now, wouldn't you? Right, right. It's like, yeah, it's like you are the, the, the textbook high school bully. Right. He's just smart. At the end of the day, he's just smarter than yeah. um, Mills. Well, that reminds me of um, I was when I was in London a couple of years ago. And there's this, this, you know, mentally ill old man on the street who was like sweeping a part of the of uh, the sidewalk. And some guy like walked by, you know, through what he was sweeping. And he's like, get the fuck out of my house, you fucking cunt. Rah, 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 rah. Yeah, yeah. And then we, so we saw that and we walked around his little block, you know, and then yep. the only thing the guy said was piss off <laughs> like under his breath. <laughs> We're like, right. right. That's fine. So like, but to leave the dude fucking alone, it's like, don't talk to him. Well, it's like, to me, you look, you see that guy and he goes piss off. Like, okay. Yeah. The guy's insane. He, for the most part, he's probably has like no control over what he says. No. Like this isn't like a rational person who's trying to fuck you over. Like in a business deal, this is just an insane person. Just move on with your day. Yeah. No, he's just sweeping the, the literally the sidewalk in East London. Right. Right. <laughs> like, come on. All right. So uh, John Doe tells him to pull over while this poor delivery driver hands his box over at gunpoint before running away. By the way, uh, the delivery drivers Richmond Arquette, who's uh, brothers with David Patricia, and then the best Arquette, the one who was in Bride of Chucky, Alexis. <laughs> Oh, oh boy. Yeah, great claim to fame there. That was good. Yeah. Yep. But I like how this guy's at gunpoint. He's like, What the fuck do you want? He's like, I'm just a contracted Amazon delivery driver. The guy gave me five hundred bucks. I know. <laughs> I what know. are the chances they didn't forget about that delivery driver? And he, he just <laughs> didn't definitely, he, he just was they, running in the desert. He <laughs> died. They didn't pick he him died. up. There's no yeah. way. There's no fucking way that they picked him up because SWAT Captain America up in the helicopter is freaking out about a box. Right. <laughs> Holy shit! We have a box. Oh, we got a box. We got a we fucking got a box. box. We got a He's, fucking box. Like, oh, guys, come on. Oh, He's just out there at night. Like, hello? Is anyone <laughs> there? Jesus, we hadn't even had the anthrax scare yet. Where like white powder was showing up in envelopes, and everybody got all excited. No, nah. I know. So first, you got Morgan Freeman's face, which is you know it's wider than it was when he was red opening up Andy Dufresne's box under that tree. And oh my God, something's in that box. Something bad's in that box. Ew, there's blood on that box. Yeah. What is, what's in it? What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the <laughs> box? You, want, you guys want to know what's in the box? What's in the box? Well, Tim already told us. Gwyneth Paltrow's head. Her pretty no. little head's in the box. Bam, bam, bam. Goop that motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Goop that back on your head. Jade vaginal legs. Fuck you. Hold, hold on. I heard you downstairs. What's in the box? Oh, what's no. in the what's box? What's in the box? It turned into a motorcycle of drag race. Box. So that's a really big trap. Uh, <laughs> huge. That's it's probably the biggest of traps. Uh, just massive. I, you know, and be honest, every action hero. I mean, let's just face it. That, that John Doe gets shot in the fucking head. Um, every action hero. When when Brad looked up, like, did I do the right decision? Was like, fuck yeah, <laughs> yeah, you did. Yep. And before he gets shot, John Doe. I mean, you got the quite just what an explosive ending to a movie. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. 
Mills, he discovers that his wife is pregnant. And then you got John Doe saying, I am defenseless. Take your weapon. Strike me down with all your hatred. And your journey towards the dark side would be complete. (laughs) Give in to your hate. Show me your tits, my dear. (laughs) (laughs) So John Doe kills Gwyneth in order to become Envy. And then to complete his masterpiece, he manipulates Mills into turning into Wrath and killing John Doe. Oh, boy. Uh, Mills doesn't die. Wrath is a sin, so kind of like doesn't really complete it, right? Uh, Maybe he gets the electric chair. He's probably just banking on him killing himself later. He probably will. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, Let's see here. Yeah, and then also you got, uh, what's his name, John uh, McGinley, (laughs) just pretty much representing all of us in the helicopters going, oh, Christ, somebody (laughs) call somebody. Somebody, I, I like how he's like somebody call somebody. You didn't think they're there. You don't know who to call. I got a bad feeling about this one, man. Yeah, right, it's just him doing the platoon line. It came over oh, Jesus. Okay, so if you're you're a prosecutor, right? Mills comes. Mills case comes to you. He shot this serial killer after, like his the head of his wife was delivered to him. I wouldn't prosecute him. I'd no, it's temporary f- insanity. Fucking give him a medal. Yeah. But that's definitely insanity. Right. Yeah. It's also like entrapment. It's like he fucking he manipulated you into doing it. He killed right. your wife. Like right. in the way he it wasn't just like he was in the interrogation room. He's like, Oh yeah, by the way, this blood's your wife's. It's like he put put on this whole show. Right. So yeah, I think that he'd he would get off on it too. Um, yeah, and then the, the movie pretty much wraps up with Mills getting into a cop car and Somerset presumably staying on and not retiring. <laughs> and then the movie ends. Well, he's like, I'll be around. Yeah, I'll, I'll be, around. be around. What does that even yeah. mean? I'll be around. Oh, yeah, he'll be, either, he'll be, he'll go into a private detection agency. Yeah. Yeah, he needs to get the fuck out of town. He needs to move. <clears throat> he needs to be like a sheriff in like a population of like 300 somewhere. Yeah. Moved to South nah. Dakota or something like that. He's in, he's in purgatory. He wasn't baptized as a child. <laughs> he can't leave. All right. So now we're going to be doing a new uh, feature for our mini series here called Stuff in a 1995 movie that you would never see today. And um, I'll, I'll start just as an example. So my choice is going to be when you have Brad Pitt eating potato chips while Morgan Freeman waits on a fax machine for the address <laughs> of John Doe's uh, apartment. <laughs> that will never happen again. Well, and also, you know, they have to go to an FBI agent for, you know, super sketchy, you know, like Patriot Act isn't even a thing, but we have everyone's library records, you know, semi-legally holy thing. Yeah, no, it would have been, hey, just email me that spreadsheet, bro. Yeah. yeah. And it would have been legal too. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just airdrop it in. Right. Yeah. And we're, I could use we're, control we're, we're going to be on the road. Yeah. yeah. It wouldn't, yep. In reality, what it would have been is they'd have been like, we got this guy who's killing all these people because of, you know, seven deadly sins or whatever. And they're like, oh yeah, we know that guy. Yep. We know who he oh, is. Oh, he's been on 4chain. We know who he is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We've, know, we've known about him for years, but you haven't done yeah. anything? Nah. Yep. Not a priority. Yeah. <laughs> Any other ones? Um, uh, like the beeper, of course. I mean, and also mm-hmm. in 95, and like my wife looked at me and was like, well, didn't they have cell phones already back then? And I would imagine that, yes, in 95, that the poli- detectives would already have cell phones. Hmm. Or at least a car phone. Something. My parents still have an old 96 wagon that has a car phone in it. Still. <laughs> to awesome. this day. Yeah. 
Uh, here's one for you. Um, you know when uh, Morgan Freeman and Gwyneth Paltrow meet for a cup of coffee alone? Back in, uh, you know, today, like, Morgan Freeman definitely wouldn't have been shot um, <laughs> for that. But 95, he would have. Actually, you know what? No, he definitely would have been shot today, too. Things haven't changed much in that sense since 95. Stand your ground! He's got a gun! I'm a a detective! He's got a gun! (laughs) All right, let's get into some casting what-ifs. So I mentioned it before, Denzel Washington turned down the role of uh, Mills because he thought it was too dark. King Kong! Um, (laughs) Christina Applegate turned down the, uh, the Gwyneth Paltrow role. Who's Applegate? That sounds really familiar. She's uh, Vanessa Corningstone from Anchorman. Oh! And she was, which it, it would have been weird because she was still doing Married with Children and she was still playing uh, Kelly Bundy at the time. Yeah, honestly, mm. as much as I hate Gwyneth Paltrow as a human being, and I really do hate her, um, she did a very good job in this movie. She did a really good job. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, God, yeah. Very lovable, likable, the whole thing. Once again, I want to reiterate. I hate Gwyneth Paltrow. I think she is a terrible person. A terrible, terrible, terrible. All right, this is not me just skipping. Terrible. <laughs> okay, we terrible we person. Ugh, so that's what really happens when you have a wet floppy. You just you just skip and skip and skip and skip. <laughs> so good. Yeah. No. When you're when you're spreading lies about human sexual health, go fuck yourself. Really, you're just yep. setting us back fifty years. Come on. That, that, that coffee shop scene, though, she was great. She looked like she was on the verge of breaking constantly. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, Very so we, we, she had screen time probably grand total, what, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and you were invested yeah. in the character. So, for sure. Very impressive. Yep. Very impressive. Um, also, so just like every other 90s cop or cop movie, they wanted Al Pacino for the role of Somerset. Would have been, honestly, like, I don't think I would have liked this movie if Morgan Freeman wasn't Somerset. Yeah. He yeah, was I, I so agree. perfect. He was yeah. so perfect. Like he had he, everything. Al Pacino would have been too arrogant, would have been too brash. You know what I mean? They would have flipped the characters. I feel like if it was Denzel, they would have had Denzel pretty much playing the Somerset role, like very right. meticulous and planned out. And then Pacino would have just been Pacino from Heat. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. Or Serpico just running around in a getup. Oh! Yeah. She didn't kill Mills because she, you were envious. You killed her because she's got a great ass. <laughs> Give me a name. Give me a name. <laughs> it would have been rough. Don't shoot him. Don't shoot him, Brad. Brad, don't. It's what he wants. It's a game of inches. <laughs> or him in that taxi cab when the guy goes like, where to? Away from here. <laughs> Completely different movie. Also, a completely different movie. Um, the lead singer for R.E.M., Michael Stipe, uh, they offered him the role of John Doe, and he turned it down because he was promoting the album Monster. I got to say, um, this movie has dodged multiple bullets on the casting front because this yeah. yes. if any of those happened, this movie would have sucked. Yeah. It would have gone from being almost like a flawless movie to terrible in an instant. They also wanted Stallone at some point too. Who was the casting? Oh who was the casting God. director of this? Whoever was Stallone going to do? Just it would have been a completely his, different movie. They would have just taken would, the concept of a serial killer and turned it into an action movie. 
Yeah. It would have been like Cobra. Oh my God. Just, it would have been get yeah. Carter. Uh, yeah. I'm going to hang over this, this, this couch and show you how big my biceps are. <laughs> pressing him up against the back of the couch. Stallone as Morgan Freeman's character. (laughs) Mills, you need to look at um, Dana's Inferno. Dante's. Dante's Inferno. (laughs) Oh, God, my brain hurts. What's a library card? (laughs) Where to? Away from here. Uh, What? Stay away from here. Do you have marbles in your your mouth? your first blood! <laughs> it's only only way this would have made sense though is if he was because I know you know he eventually made Copland, which is a great movie, and if like and that's a serious movie, and he put on like forty pounds of, of weight for that, so maybe this is like the first one he was looking for beforehand, where he's trying to steer in a different direction. But I don't know. I mean, oh yeah, Stallone steering in a different direction. Yeah, even he knows yeah. that's a lie. Come on. Well, yeah, I mean, he's great in Copland too, but. Um, um, all you need to, so was, so Max was, um, what were the, um, the movies like along came a spider that Morgan Freeman was in? Yeah. Uh, were those made before or after? After, I think. They were made after this? Yeah, pretty sure they oh. were made after. Cause I was going to say. That's what I'm if, saying. It was just a whole fad after this of just serial killer movies of the late nineties. Yeah. Well, I was going to say like Morgan Freeman, if you looked at Morgan Freeman in those, and they were made before this movie, and you didn't like immediately go, he needs to be in this movie, and then you'd be a fucking moron. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, he is so good in this. Um, all right. Should we get in some trivia? Yep. Yeah. Cool. So, just like our last movie, E.T., this film, it's going to remain a beloved classic because they're never going to make a sequel that will ruin it. And uh, they had talks of making a sequel. What they originally wanted to do was have Mills in a mental hospital. And um, Brad Pitt was against it, and so was the director, David Fincher, that said, in quote, I would much less be interested... Uh, hold on. I would have uh, less interest in that than I would in having cigarettes put out in my eyes. That's what he said about doing a sequel to Seven. <laughs> Holy That's shit. That's fantastic. Huh. <laughs> um, Morgan Freeman was oddly skilled at throwing knives because originally they were just going to have two shots of him throwing the knife and then they'd edit it together, but he just kept on repeatedly hitting the bullseye, so they just let him, they just rolled with it. Just let him do it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. He's just like, they walk on the set and they're like, all right, Morgan, what we're going to need you to do with the knife is prink. He just like nails bullseye. it. Yes. Whoa. Uh, and then Martin Freeman just looks at him like, need me to do that? <laughs> Man, he's good. Yeah, this guy's real good. Well, that's like uh, Nicholson in The Shining because Nicholson was a um, he was a uh, part-time firefighter, like a volunteer firefighter. So they had a prop door with the with the axe, and he just like completely destroyed the entire door. So they they had to get um, a real door in place because like he's like I'm not going to use a prop axe on a prop door. Just give me a real door. Oh, I thought you were going to say he was an alcoholic going through the DTS. <laughs> that too. Yeah, that's a great way to get some of those shakes out. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it rains almost the entire movie for several reasons. One, just to add to the gloom. Uh, two, they wouldn't have to worry about any bad uh, weather ruining a day of shooting. And then three, because it rained the first day that they shot with Brad Pitt and they had him for a limited amount of time and they had the rush to get all of his scenes in before he went out to do 12 monkeys. 12? What the fuck is 12 monkeys? Oh my God. It's, with, I have never watched it, but it's just stupid. It's about um, Bruce Willis goes back in time to 1995 to prevent a uh, 
pandemic outbreak that kills like 5 billion people. But he gets transported back to 95 and obviously they think that he's a mentally ill person. Yeah. And that's a ward with Brad Pitt. Yeah. Yeah. Don't need to see that one. No, it's, it's a, it's shitty sci-fi. Nobody needs that. Don't tell Bill that Bill loves that movie. Of course he does. (laughs) I'm sure he likes the TV show too. Fuck you, Bill. (laughs) Um, Kevin Spacey liked that he was a surprise to the audience and, since he didn't get any billing in the opening of the movie, he didn't have to promote the movie or do any of the press interviews. Dude, what a great... If you're an actor, that's got to be the best. Great year for him, too, because he was also Kaiser Soze in 95. Oh, yeah. Wow. And John Doe. That is a... And he won the Oscar that year for uh, Usual Suspects. He crushed it that year. Um, okay, and then this is a long one. So this is about like the making of the movie. Um. So bear with me here. So it was written by a depressed record store clerk uh, in, in New York City in 1991 named uh, Andrew Kevin Walker, who just hustled his way into getting the script to a famous screenwriter, David Cope, who wrote the first two Jurassic Parks, Mission Impossible, the first Spider-Man. Then he also wrote The Crystal Skull, David Cope. So it took him three years uh, for the studio, to, for a studio to actually um, sign up and do it. So they agreed to do the movie, but they wanted to change the head in the box ending to like a more generic action movie oriented ending. Um, and there was a big fight about that too. Like they, they wanted to do a sequel. They didn't want it to be Gwyneth Paltrow's head, but a new line had accidentally sent David Fincher, the original script and Fincher refused to change the ending. So it eventually got to a boiling point where uh, the producer refused to have the ending, but then Fincher and Brad Pitt both refused to be in the movie if they wouldn't have the original ending. Whoa. Yeah. Power move. Holy yeah. Shit. Good. And then after reading the script, David Cope told Andrew Kevin Walker that he needed professional help. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a dark fucking movie. Yeah. It's like you wrote this. I think you need some help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, God, the pit- all the quaaludes ran yeah. out five years ago, man. You're fucked. Honestly, yeah. though, that's like the actually exact opposite. Someone who like just writes it down. I'm like, you're fine. Like you, you. Yeah, you contextualize it all. Like, you understand it's bad. Like, someone who's just as, like, honestly, like, I see, like, really happy, you know, like, really happy, like, Christian people. You know what I mean? Like, those are the dangerous people. Like, there's some, yeah. there's some real dark shit going on behind those eyes that no one knows Joel about. Olstein. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of dirty shit has Joel Olstein got into? Dude, Joel Olstein, I'm, I'm quite sure Joel Olstein lives a life that basically just, smashes together the three true detective seasons. <laughs> if you just smash together the three true detective seasons, that is Joel Olstein's life. I'm I'm quite sure of it. <laughs> yeah, and the lead detective's work has uh, dementia, so they can't they just yeah. have trouble solving the case. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, and then also a little trivia fact, too, is that uh, the three detectives in Fight Club are named uh, Andrew, Kevin, and Walker because uh, Andrew, Kevin, Walker did touch-ups on Fight Club. Oh, nice. Yeah. All right. Should we get into questions? Yeah. Right. It's in the box. What's in the box? All right. First question. What's in the box? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Three heads and a dick. What? A dick? Hmm. Yeah, and a dick. There's always a dick in the box. Oh. Is my dick in the box? Dick in the box. Uh, So who's your favorite and least favorite in this? Uh, My favorite Somerset. I feel like everyone's going to say that, uh, so yeah. I'll just lead it off. <laughs> favorite Somerset. Yeah. And honestly, like, my least favorite is Mills. Mm. Yeah. Uh, he's just like, I mean, 
okay, I want to I want to coach all these answers. Like I think the Mills character is a very well done character, but it, and I think he his role in the movie is for you to like kind of to not like him. So I don't yeah, really sure. like him. But it's a it's a very good character. I don't want to like say that. I don't want I'm not saying it's a bad character. That's fair. I still hate you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My favorite, uh, yeah, yeah, surprise, also Somerset. Uh, my least favorite is the uh, the casting director who somehow managed to fail up into making the right choices. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Which Seriously. is just, I don't need to take those kinds of gambles in my life. So, nah. Nah. That's fair. Yeah. I'll, um, I'll just say my favorite is just the city. It's like Gotham or, you know, Baltimore and the Wire. Like, it has a character mm-hmm. to itself. Yeah. And then um, my least, I'm going to say, is just all the cops in the lobby who didn't know it was a man covered in blood. <laughs> this poor oh, that was work. just 90s police work. Yeah, right. Hey, you I'm on my break. Front door. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love unions. And just so IMDb and Ron Tomatoes have their own rating systems, we decided to make our own. So what would you rate? Seven. Uh, Max, I'm going to go for three heads and a dick in a box. <laughs> I'm going to go for, um, three perfectly executed, uh, Bill Spears, um, <laughs> out of, uh, 10 heads in a box. Mm. It's a big box. Mm-hmm. Is it corrugated? Uh, it's a corrugated <laughs> box. It's on a wood pallet too. Oh, uh, whoa. Right. Heads are surprisingly it? heavy. Did you wood stain it? <laughs> oh yeah. Mm, oh, come on, nice. Max. I'm not a heathen. It's, it's a dark oak. <laughs> um, I'll give this one chocolate starfish in the hot dog flavored water. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Out of just the unlimited amount of times that I've said, what's in the box? In the box. On and off of the show. Oh, my God. It's so great. I love when you announced it and the internet just, like, lit up or on Twitter or whatnot. It was just, what's in the box? What's, <laughs> what's in, in the, the box? box? Everyone. <laughs> Speaking of Twitter and the internet, uh, do we have any uh, any any social media shout-outs, John? Um, I don't have any love this time around because uh, I'm hungover. That's fair. Fuck you guys. You get no call-outs this week. <laughs> Everybody. April, I still love you. Kendra, keep saving the world. Movie man, I don't know. You're not giving us too much shit anymore. Everybody just fuck <laughs> off. Just just keep loving us or hating on us. Just fuck off. It's, it'll be fine. It'll be good. Yeah, My right. head hurts. <laughs> I know. I want to give a shout out, Max. I got a social media shout out. I want to give a shout out to Fred Durst. <laughs> you know? Keep doing you, Fred. Keep doing you, all right? That's right. So okay. yeah, Instagram, Twitter, fuckers. You can find it. Google it. Yeah. Hold my popcorn. Figure it the fuck out. I don't know. I don't know what you're going to do. DM us. Fucking retweet whatever you got to do. Clitter it. You got to clitter. Do it. Make it happen. Clitter. It's all clitter? fucking great. I'm done. Clittering. Yeah. Well, you're going to get some weird messages in a couple in a couple hours, John. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I am eliciting a response. Or all right, cool. Well, that wraps up the show. Uh, and stay tuned for next week. We're not, we haven't uh, decided what we're going to do yet, but it's going to be a movie from 1995 and it's going to be great. Beepers, beepers, lots of beepers. Get your beepers and cassette tapes ready. Ugh, and, and tweed that just hasn't gone out of style yet. Yeah. It's... And colorful clothing. That's way too big. 
in non-tailored suits. Dick in the box. I like tweed. Mm. Tweed is great. It actually is quite wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's my dick in a box. I'm going to put that Ooh. music on to end this show. It's going to be the dick in a box song. <laughs> <laughs> uh, deuces, fuckers. I had Domino's yesterday. That's the kind of pizza we have here. Oh, yeah. yeah. That sounds like Tennessee in a nutshell. Took an hour and a half to get here. Uh, It was 10 o'clock by the time we got it. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's like, fuck. Dude, I remember uh, one time last year I ordered, like, Abby was out or something like that. It was a Friday, and I'm like, I want to treat the old tipster to uh, (laughs) some Pizzeria Regina. Ooh. Which, like, John, so Pizzeria Regina is kind of, like, famous around the Massachusetts area, but there's, like... Their first brick and mortar shop is like famous in the North End, and I I easily could have walked over there. It it would have taken me less than five minutes, but I was like, <laughs> I'm gonna get delivered because walking's for fucking poor people. <laughs> so, um, you know, I put the delivery in, and an hour goes by, and I'm like, well, this is bullshit. So I call them up, and I'm like, hey, you know, where's my pizza? And they go, it's on its way, it's on its way. I'm like, okay. So then, like, another 20 minutes goes by. I call them up again. They tell me the same shit. So I wait two hours at this point. I'm like, well, this pizza isn't coming. <laughs> uh, and I just kind of, like, write it off, make myself, like, an omelet, and then for dinner, just starving, and then, like, go to bed. And then I'm, like, awoken by some, by repeated <laughs> calls. Oh, and there's a I pick up the phone after the third call and I go, hello. And he's like, your pizza's here. And I'm like, I heard that three hours ago. And he's like, yeah, it's here. I'm like, I don't want it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want it. And he's like, come on, man. Like, you, you know, I'm like, dude, I ordered it three hours ago. I'm not fucking taking that pizza. Take it, take it with you. And he goes, come on. It was busy. And I'm like, I don't care. I'm telling you, I don't want the fucking pizza. Three anymore. hours busy. I live down the street. You fucking asshole. Yeah. I was like, dude, I, I <laughs> could have walked over here. I know. Seriously. Jesus. I was like, he was like arguing with me. He's like, come on, man. Just come down and take the pizza. I'm like, I am not arguing. I finally said, I'm not arguing with you anymore. I'm not coming down to get the pizza. I'm hanging up now. And I hung up. Come on, I was only doing heroin with my buddies for like two hours. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I don't understand uh, what his big deal was. Like, it's probably it, he probably had to pay for he has, it. it yeah, he has fault. to eat the cost. He was yeah. late. He probably went to a yeah. buddy's house or something. Just dick right. around. I um, had a I had a buddy in um, Nashville um, who this has nothing to do with pizza, but basically had a similar argument with a customer. Except he was on the other end because he worked at a car wash, and it ended with him telling the customer that he'd cut his fucking face off. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was fun. The customer's always right. <laughs> yep, especially just, in Nashville with a big fucking. He was like a six seven ginger, just covered in tattoos. Oh God. There's been at least two or three times that I've hung out with Tim where we've ordered Chinese food and either it never showed up or like one time it never showed up. Another time it showed up at like, remember Tim, it showed up like 4 a.m. Yeah. We ordered it at like one or something like yep. we were already like kind of dozing off. And then another time it showed up when um 
when Tim was still drinking, he went home to go to bed. And then we were still out. And I guess it wasn't the guy like knocking on the door for like 30 minutes. And he just left it there. Honestly, man, (laughs) there's I would say every every other weekend I would order Chinese food and pass out well before (laughs) they arrived. And most of the time, I think the guy just started to realize because he (laughs) would just start like he would just start hanging it on the door. And so I'd just like go out, you know, I'd wake up to 20 calls, missed calls. (laughs) And then I'd be like, ah, oh, shit, I ordered Chinese food, didn't I? <laughs> no, that, that was just the password. They have to call you 20 times. <laughs> yeah, That's exactly. the password. It's like, it's oh, like okay. Yeah. With, yeah, it's like Seinfeld with the cable guy. Right. I'm not, I'm not, like, not showing up. <laughs> right, exactly. But most of the time, they just, like, hang it on the doorknob it's in my front hilarious. door. And it's great, because you wake up, you, you know, you ordered way too much Chinese food, and now you get breakfast. <laughs> I like I like him and the French fries. Where if you see him at a restaurant, he'll just like walk up to a table randomly and just like look at someone in their eyes, take a French fry off their plate, eat it, and go, "No one will ever believe you," and just walk away. <laughs> yeah, for that too. <laughs> that is a level of fame that very few people have, where you can just break into somebody's house and they're like, "Hey, yeah, what's up, buddy?" And well, also like, harmlessly too. Like know. you know, it's it's like, oh, it's Bill Murray. Like he's not going to kill bad. anybody. Now, if it was Jack Nicholson. <laughs> you mind if oh. I come in and break into your party? He's <laughs> <laughs> got the axe. <laughs> oh my god. He's got the dancing dust. <laughs> I think it's time to go home now, Jack. Come on. <laughs> I got all this blow. Anybody got a straw? Don't stop till you're numb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs>